thanks for being here with us for EISO's podcast series. We're very pleased to have Professor Sara Ramella here with us today, who will be discussing and debating with Professor Pier Filippo Crucitti about the changing paradigms in thoracic surgery and radiation oncology. Welcome. So, welcome to this debate. It's a great pleasure for us to be here with you. I am Sara Ramella. I'm a professor of radiation oncology. I work as a chair in the radiation oncology unit of Campus Biomedico University, Fondazione Campus Biomedico di Roma. It's a great pleasure for me to share this debate with Professor Pierfilippo Crucitti. Hi, Pierfilippo. Hi, Sara. Pierfilippo is the chair of thoracic surgery in Fondazione Campus Biomedico di Roma. And we share all of our cases together in the TMD discussion every Monday, every week in the year. And so today uh, we will discuss about some themes for the changing paradigms, uh, paradigms in uh, um, thoracic surgery and also in radiation oncology. And as a first question, Pierfilippo, I would like to ask you on the light of the last modern uh, evidences that has been published in these years, what do you think about lobar or sublobar resection for peripheral stage one non-small cell lung cancer? Uh, thank you, Sarah, for uh, this question. Um, we have to say that after 1995, where uh, when the, the superiority of lobectomy uh, was assumed, uh, we have a long period where lobectomy or pneumonectomies uh, was the gold standard for the treatment of lung cancer. Uh, now, uh, in February uh, 2023, uh, Altarki published a, a paper on the New England Journal of Medicine where um, he compared lobar and sublobar um, resection for early stage lung cancer. Uh, T1A and 0. Uh, and uh, uh, the study, uh, the conclusion of the study was that uh, uh, sublobar resection was not inferior uh, uh, to uh, lobectomies. Uh, the most important uh, thing that we have to say on this paper is that uh, uh, it's important uh, the correct stage of the, of the disease. Uh, we have to be sure that uh, it, uh, it's a T1 less than two centimeter, and it's more important to um, to be sure that it's a, an N0 disease. Uh, so uh, all the patient uh, uh, had prior to surgery had EUS or EBUS uh, to uh, sample the nodes. Uh, or during the operation, um, the surgeon do frozen sections of the lymph nodes uh, to and be sure that yes. it, it's an N0 disease. This is a key point sure. in uh, in uh, lung resection, surely, as is a very important findings that today uh, we have to stage the mediastinum at the best way sure. with EBUS, with EOS. Uh, we have a lot of opportunity on this. Uh, everything, uh, you know that we are imaging people. And so probably sometimes we have the feeling that PET-CT, for instance, it's enough. It's the best things that we but can it, have. It's not true. 
we have uh, when uh, we uh, go to the OR uh, only with a PET-CT, uh, we have uh, more than 20% of uh, upstaging uh, at the, the final report of the pathologies uh, with the N2 disease, uh, uh, not uh, diagnosis uh, before surgery. Absolutely, absolutely. And the, the, this paper, it's very important, even if the sample the sample size is not so big, it's uh, only uh, something more than 700 patients. Uh, but um, the paper says that uh, sublobar resection is not inferior to lobectomy. And could you just to underline uh, as a sublobar resection is not wedge resection? Oh, uh, in this paper, 60% was wedge resections. 16? 60. Ah, 60? Yeah. Wow. And the 40% was uh, uh, anatomical segmentectomy. So, um, but uh, the the selection of the patient was made on uh, small nodules in the peripheral part of the lung and uh, and 60% was uh, wedged the second fantastic uh, but uh, uh, if you compare uh, wedged resection with the anatomical segmentectomy um, is not statistically uh, significant, but uh, the uh, wedged resection have an increased uh, local recurrence. Ah, okay, okay. This is, yeah. There is these differences yeah. between the two types of surgery. And this um, uh, sentence can lead me to ask you if you uh, consider in the uh, recent times uh, the change. No? We, we saw the change from an oven surgery to a more laparoscopic surgery or the robotic surgery. Could you tell us something about this? Uh, it's uh, nowadays with uh, uh, lung cancer screening programs, we see a lot of patients with early stage lung cancer so uh, we have to offer to the patient uh, a minimal invasive surgery. Uh, even if we know nowadays that uh, uh, minimal inv invasive surgery is not only for early stage. Uh, we have a lot of patients, you know that here at Campus Biomedical, we have a lot of patients uh, that we, uh, we we was able to to uh, to make lobectomies after induction therapies uh, for uh, local advanced cases, and uh, it, it's important. The most important. I remember when I started with minimal invasive surgery. Uh, I published a paper when where I um, I say that. Uh, lymphadenectomy in minimal invasive surgery was not the same of the open surgery. Now I changed completely my idea and uh, I know that with minimal invasive uh, multiportal VATS, uniportal VATS or RATS, uh, we are um, after uh, a period of uh, um, learning curve, after the learning curve, uh, we can be more accurate than the open surgery. Perfect. And this is surely a great advantage for the patient sure. with the, the possibility to be at home as soon as possible and without more uh, com comorbidities, without most problems. Of, most of our patients uh, are 
uh, can go home at uh, the possibility too. Uh, yes, this is a great thing. Uh, now I, I want to ask you something. <laughs> um, please tell me something about the evolution of radiotherapy technique from uh, 3D uh, technique to the Vuma technique. Thank you, for Filippo. Sure. Surely between radiation oncologists and surgeons, we have a lot of, um, of points of interest that are in common because technique, the technique in which we use our tools are the same. The idea is that you have to treat the local disease. And so uh, when you change the tools, you change completely the outcome of the patient. And surely in radiation oncology, we had a big advance in this kind of approach. Because if you think that uh, 3D was surely a big advantage in comparison with 2D, two-dimensional radiation therapy. With the introduction of multi-leaf, of conformal radiotherapy, we were able to, um, um, to make a dose distribution around the disease very, um, very accurate. However, in that time, I remember, it was impossible to achieve the isodose dose distribution that today we see with intensity modulated radiation therapy. IMRT, volumetric, um, arc radiation therapy, this kind of approach today changed completely our way to offer radiation. Because as a, uh, it was very well uh, documented last year in the last ESTRO, this year in the last ESTRO, that about 13,000 of patients have been evaluated yeah. in comparis, uh, comparing the introduction of WUMAT uh, and uh, uh, the other um, the other point of interest was palliative versus curative intent of treatment and the introduction of, of vumat showed clearly that the radical the possibility to deliver a radical treatment increased a lot in the last 10 years so th there is um, the opportunity to deliver 60 gray 66 gray which is today the optimal dose is something that in the previous experience was not so simple but today even uh, big volumes of disease or locally advanced disease <clears throat> can be treated with this approach and so we surely have to use this kind of technology in our daily practice uh, could you explain me exactly uh, the vuma technique surely the vuma technique is a a way to deliver those. You have to remember that we are surgeons. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we are very happy to work together. This, you know, you know it very well. Um, when the radiation uh, is produced by the linear accelerator of the machine that we use in radiation therapy, this uh, radiation is modified in the, in the form, in the shape, in the shape of the, um, the radiation field with an MLC. MLC is a multi-leaf collimator. It's made by very thin um, uh, tools of uh, um, materials that can stop, uh, can stop radiation when they, are, when they are closed or they can uh, enter radiation when they are open. Okay. And for IMRT, this MLC is moving during treatment. And this fluence, we call it fluence, is intensity modulation 
of the field of the beams okay. Okay? okay and this way we can achieve a perfect uh, conformal therapy around the tumor that was not possible with sure. the 3d uh, therapy uh, in which the the movements of the mlc was not done was not possible okay okay we have to understand uh, a little bit better uh, what you do in in your bunker yeah surely <laughs> uh, please uh, i have another question how the evolution of the technique can affect the indication for radiotherapy in the post-operative period oh Filippo, i think that the uh, impact of womat and today we have a lot of experience in local in radical local advanced disease that documented the benefit of this treatment is nothing in comparison of what we can achieve in post-operative setting. Because today, in radiation oncologists, there is a big problem. We have no one trial indicating that post-operative radiation after surgery in PN2, pathological N2 disease, is beneficial for disease-free survival. But however, we have a lot of limitation in the studies that have been published on this field because technique that was applied for that study is not VUMAT, is 3D. And the dose distribution changed a lot, as we say, but will change a lot for the dose delivered to the heart. Because I don't know if you remember when radiation oncologists published the papers in 2010, not so, so many years ago, just 10 years ago, 10, 10, 15 years ago, we looked only to esophageal toxicity and lung toxicity. And not heart. And not heart. Sure. We, did, we discovered that there exists the heart in the mediastinum very recently. And the patient have big problem with, with a heart disease after radiotherapy. Yes, it could be. Because um, in the previous experience, we thought that the, the survival was so uh, short that problem for the heart was not is not important. Instead, in recent evidences say to us that doses delivered to the subunits of the heart and uh, uh, you consider that today we contour the descending artery, the coronaries, the mitral valve, the atrial or the ventricular areas and so on. And so we can uh, know very well in the detail which is the dose that reached that point of the heart. And today we have a lot of constraints that in the period in which the other, um, the other um, trials were published were not available and so probably the impact of women in the next future will be very um, very Impressive. very strong in the field of post-operative post setting thank you thank you so much uh, thank you sara thank you everybody uh, thank you uh, for the opportunity uh, to talk with sara another day and uh, uh, see you, everybody. <laughs>
And thank you to you, Per Filippo, and also to the ESO School for this opportunity, this discussion, uh, what we every week do during our uh, meeting, but surely only the possibility to discuss cases together can give us the um, to choice, the possibility to choose the best treatment for our patient. And thank you for your attention. Bye, thank you. We thank you both so much for your time and for this very interesting discussion. Thanks for joining us and don't forget to check out our other EESO podcasts.